0: Hey guys, it's Lavetta. Hi, it's Miriam, and welcome to Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Yes, it's. <laughs> we're just talking offline about an old Sinbad bit that's hilarious uh, about mothers and. And, you know, how your mother loses her mind. And
1: like, I, I was talking, I was just sharing because I have two kids, they're twins, and I love them more than everything in the whole world. And sometimes, man, I'm like, I just like, there's like a part of me that I, was like, I don't even know you were there when I get so mad. And I'm like, how dare you? You know, and they're looking at me like, what? Oh. The, oh my god. This is why I'm like why I just god wanted to so run cute. into the middle of the street. Mom, what's the <laughs> problem? Oh my god. And the thing I'm, is like the thing is it's like when you're when you're like really little, like really little and you're like, "Oh, no, no, no." And you hold their hands, but then they get to an age where they're like, "I'm not going to hold your hand. I don't even want to look at you in public because I'm cool and you're not cool." And so that's where we're kind of at right now. And so uh, now once again, There's more risk because once again, now I don't like, I'll be like, I will hold your hand and call you cutesy, pootsy, wootsy. If you don't listen to me, it's actually a pretty good threat. Actually. I like using that as a threat.
0: I know. I mean, the good thing is, is that they are asserting their independence, which is good. Right. I mean, supposedly
1: they're supposed to go through this phase. Yeah. But like, my God, (laughs) I'm so tired. Well, on that
0: note, I guess we should get started. <laughs> yeah, we should probably do that. Um, I think you are first this week. I am. Uh, yeah. That sounds good. Listen,
1: you're I'm gonna I'm gonna I just do what you say. That's just how again.
0: I'm... I literally look it up right before we start. <laughs> it
1: was so. right. I but can't who's... keep track. <laughs> Uh, Who's your
0: notorious woman this week that you're going to tell me about?
1: Okay, so my notorious woman this week is one. I keep finding all the like the really like amazing, cool people. Mm-hmm. I'm on a I'm on a roll here. Um, her name is Authorine Juanita Lucy.
0: Authorine Juanita Lucy? Yes. No, I've never heard of her.
1: I I don't 100 percent know that I'm saying her name correctly. It's a u t h e r i n e, authorin, maybe authorin.
0: Oh, I don't, I don't know.
1: Any, it, it's beautiful. Yep. Um So I, I, this is a fascinating woman, um, and, and a fascinating story. So she was born October fifth, nineteen twenty nine. She was born in Shiloh, Alabama. Uh, her parents were sharecroppers. So she was the youngest child in a family of five sons and four daughters. I just, I just want oh, to shout Lord. out to her mother right now. I'm just gonna be a quick like, damn girl, nine times they huh? did
0: it with no epidural nope. back then, None. you know?
1: None. And like, you know, like, like, how, what did you do with a bladder infection? I mean, you know what I mean? But they just are sort of like, we're fine. You know, they're stronger people than we are, I think.
0: Uh, And back then, though, the treatment was oftentimes just as bad as like Mm -hmm. the thing you were treating.
1: But I mean, they did it, man. More power to them. They did it. So they owned and farmed 110 acres. And her father also did like some blacksmithing and made baskets and axe handles to supplement their income. But I mean, nine kids, that's impressive.
0: Wait a minute. So they, they own their own
1: land? That's, they says they were sharecroppers and they owned and farmed 110 acres.
0: Oh, cause usually sharecroppers is that you work other people's land.
1: Yeah. So I don't know.
0: I, and, I, or, you know what, actually I take that back. Cause sometimes it was a uh, hybrid kind of thing. Yeah. So you had land, but then you had to also work other people's land. It was very difficult to really get ahead as a yeah. sharecropper.
1: It's. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, uh, it's not an easy life. But if they give life, you a little bit they, of like... I think you can, they, they give you a certain amount of land, yeah, but that's a lot of it, land.
0: But also it's like, well, you can, you till our land and yours. And right. And it's like, that's why you need all those kids. Now we understand.
1: Uh-huh, I get that now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my kids need to earn their keep more. I know, I right? mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, at least take the dish... That I made you
0: to the sink,
1: you know, like without me asking three times, I'm sorry, I'm digressing. Okay.
0: But you Um, know, what? in defense of the kids, we were uh the same way when we were kids.
1: God, you know what? I was probably worse, to be honest (laughs) with you. (laughs) All right. So... So she went to public school through grade 10. And then after that, she went to the Linden Academy in Linden, Alabama, which was impressive at that time. Girls did not necessarily continue their education. Um, She graduated in 1947, then went to Selma University in Selma for two years, after which she studied at the historically black Miles College in Fairfield and graduated from Miles with a BA in English in 1952. Wow! Yeah, go so girl, get the girl. Yes. So, in September of 1952, um, a friend of hers, Polly Myers, who was a civil rights activist with the NAACP, and her applied to the University of Alabama. Okay, so remember the 50s in the South? Yeah, huh. yeah. It was, yeah. So later she said she just wanted a second undergraduate degree. She wasn't, poli- like it wasn't a political thing. She was just trying to get the best possible education in the state. Now, if you look at her history, that makes sense. It definitely tracks. She, she was very, uh, she was very academic and she was, you know, obviously very, and very it, smart.
0: Isn't that what they tell you? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get an education.
1: Oh, right. That isn't is that what, what she's they tell- trying to do? Yeah. If only huh. you would pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. and so, yeah, huh, huh, give me your boots, <laughs> yeah <laughs> once again, once again, all right, so women were accepted, um, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. sometimes I say things, yes, obviously, women were accepted, this time, but they were accepted, so they both applied, and they were both accepted, um, and then. You know what I'm going to say. She they're, showed up. <laughs> hmm And they were like, oh. And they, like, you know, they literally were like, oh, we thought you were white. Never yeah. mind. We're rescinding your acceptance.
0: Well, it's Alabama, so they say it right to your face.
1: <sighs> I mean, I mean, at least they say that to your face. And they're like, oh, no, we looked at your records and there's a thing that we didn't let, you know what I mean? At least it's like, no. I'm racist. No,
0: I mean, sometimes it's that first. And then when you're not yeah. getting it, then they do that. And then they say, no, we're rescinding it because you're black. And then if you don't leave, then they, they bring out the, the N word with the, the hard ER.
1: Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: That's, <laughs> that's usually how that works.
1: <sighs> it's exhausting. That's what yeah, that is. And it I, is. I just think of these white people who are like letting them in, but then changing their mind and then, you know, arguing like, you know what, your life, you could just go to the movies, just let them in and then like go on a vacation somewhere, move it along. You know what I'm saying?
0: No, like, but then, then, then she'd become uppity. She'd become an uppity negress. <laughs> <laughs> she can't have that. Come on now. You know how this works? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. She got be do. uppity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she got her little edumacation. Uh-uh. Now. <laughs> Come on, oh, you're right. They gotta think well of herself. What? What?
1: What? <laughs> you know, white supremacy never sleeps, and that's nope. just how it is. So that's right. Um. So they were pissed. So backed by the NAACP, they charged the university with racial discrimination in a court case that took almost three years to resolve. Now, while waiting, she was an English teacher in Carthage, Mississippi, and she was also a secretary at an insurance company. I am sure she wanted a higher education so she could get a higher paying uh, job as an educator and not have to work two jobs. I think that's reasonable. Wait a minute.
0: She went to Mississippi. Okay. For those that, of you who are not from the South. Uh-huh. Mississippi is spelled M I Cricket letter, I cricket letter I humpback humpback I that's how we learn how to spell Mississippi in the south um Mississippi is known to be racist even in a racist south yeah so the fact that she had to leave Alabama and go to Mississippi oh my lord listen I can't even
1: I like watching all like the the HGTV you know I'm obsessed but sometimes there's one I'm not going to name it that's in Mississippi and I can't I still watch it but I just I, I'm every time there's a black person on I'm like are you okay you know I'm
0: <laughs> I just we learn you just have to I mean also because it's people's home I mean yeah but again like I'm from Florida as you guys may or may not know even though I say it every episode yeah, Um. when you're from a shitty state you could say it because we can say it we know it's shitty so how i trash florida i'm sure people from mississippi trash mississippi you know I, even though it's your home and you love it you know you also, south is a like, very beautiful place but you you still gonna you gonna call it out
1: right you gotta call it out right i mean listen she was okay mississippi it seemed so oh know. good I actually met a woman. This is total side note at a coffee shop in LA who was from Mississippi. And we had a really great conversation because she's, she's black and she's a lawyer and she's very cool. And she was saying that she's like, listen, I don't know. We got on a subject and she's like, racism is just so different there. We like, I mean, like she, and she's here to study and she wants to go back and be a lawyer and fight for all the good things. But it, she was just like, people don't even know what it like the energy there is just so different. Yeah. And I was like, OK, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know anything. I've
0: never. Also, seen- you just yeah. like that's a story of being black in America <laughs> since yeah. we've been black here since we've been here that you have to find you, you have to find a place for yourself. Right. Yeah. So it's. It doesn't mean we're we're not gonna fight to change it and make things better, but it's still home, right, right. like yeah, yeah, I still have Florida in my bones, fucking Florida Sorry um about that. <laughs> so <laughs> but there's I also know that Florida can is a very beautiful state, you know, and have mm-hmm. very beautiful people, not everybody in Florida's terrible, just a lot of them, uh, <laughs> and a lot of terrible people move there, so oh, that's true, um. So, yeah, so I understand it. Like, I mean, we joke about it, but I'm just saying in the South, even we are like, don't go to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> like, we're like, that's worse I mean, than Florida.
1: But, you know, like, you know, also, too, you have these enclaves of of, of your people, exactly. right? Like exactly. wherever you go, you you OK, you I mean, like Jews have this, too, to a lesser yep. degree. Do we need it? But um, but yeah, like that there's your community and you're safe within that community and you're good. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, okay. So on June 29th, 1955, the NAACP secured a court order preventing the university from rejecting the admission applications because of their race. So like, Authorine was admitted. However, this is fun. So, Polly uh. was rejected on the grounds that while this was going on, she had a child conceived before marriage, which made her an unsuitable student. Now, let me be clear. She was married. They just did math about, like, they just, like, they hired a PI to find something wrong with both of them. So that they could dismiss them on other grounds. And they found that this woman dared have sex with a man before wedlock.
0: So not. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a Mm -hmm. dick move, as we all know. Um, But it's like, motherfuckers, if you had just admitted her when she applied, what, four years earlier, three years earlier? Three. Yep, yep, yep. Then she wouldn't have had time in her hands to get married and have a kid. Yeah. So fuck you. It's just, She would it's have just given
1: a, you all you of know her is, money. That's what, you know what would that have is, happened. What, just that?
0: moving the goalpost.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Fuckers. I'm so fucking pissed. Bastards. And they say she was the one that was like trying to fight for their rights. She was like, we're going to do this. Like she kind of convinced um authorine to to do this with her and then mm. you know man okay so here's the thing authorine went she was convinced to go they were she wasn't sure at first if she couldn't go with her friend um but they did not let her into the dormitories or the dining
0: halls of course not nope pull yourself up by your own bootstraps yeah
1: also we're going to starve you
0: Yeah. You can't have any food and you can't stay in the dorms.
1: (laughs) Motherfuckers. Um, So on February 3rd, 1956, she enrolled as a grad student in library science, becoming the first ever African-American ever uh, to be admitted to a white public school or university in the state. She attended her first class on Friday, February 3rd, 1956. Now, on Monday, February 6th, 1956, so three days later, riots broke out on the campus, and a mob of more than a thousand men pelted the car in which the dean of women drove Lucy between classes. Okay. Threats were made against her life, and the university president's home was stoned.
0: So, these white students were like thugs? Oh.
1: Is that the word you want to use? Is that the word? Are you sure? Hoodlums. Hoodlums? I I mean... Um, Wait, Lovetta, I told you they were white. So... Yeah, yeah, I know. mm -hmm. So these thugs and hoodlums... Mm Hmm.
0: Rioted because they lived a a black gal.
1: shit at a woman. Okay, I raised my boy to be charming and no you don't no you don't so
0: they got this mad because a black woman was going to get her master's degree in library studies in library science it's library not like, she's science. like
1: political science which she'd have every right to do but you or crt I mean? <laughs> oh oh no them's fighting words
0: <laughs> she library science library
1: okay. science
0: so she can tell you it. where
1: Mark Twain is. Calm down. I
0: mean Okay. Wow. I'm not surprised, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I
1: know. But over a thousand motherfuckers. Um so the police were called to secure her attendance. I'm sure that worked really well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, did not. And didn't. also,
0: you know, it's it's so annoying because it's like they 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 do this, they throw a hissy fit. Yeah. Uh, cluck, cluck, clucking away, as they said in Lovecraft Country. <laughs> they, 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 they cluck, cluck, clucking away. You get it? Ku Klux Klan. Oh, know? oh, anyway. oh.
1: You know, that um, took me a long time, but I did get
0: it eventually. <laughs> cluck, cluck, clucking yeah. away over this woman trying to get her education. Yeah. And we're the morally bankrupt ones. Like Right. It's just, but also it's, it's like, they do all of this because they want you to just give up because they throw hissy fit over something that they say this country is about. Right. And the whole thing is like, they're going, so, and then they can come to you and be like, is it really worth it? You're cause you're causing all of this. Oh, girl. So is it really worth it? Right. Uh, yeah. And that, and that's the thing
1: that gets me the amount of violence that happens white people start and aggressively use and to this day the picture is still painted that it is black people causing the problems like and yet that is not our history that is not what happened
0: again europe had a hundred year war so a
1: hundred years white on white violence why don't white crime mm-hmm. I'm just,
0: I'm just mm-hmm. saying, but go What's ahead. I'm sorry. To I'm, I'm, you. <laughs> I'm
1: worried about those people. Those white so people, they thousand, really just don't
0: know. A thousand people. That's a lot it. of fucking
1: people because throwing stones in. and being aggressive.
0: A black woman to study yeah. library science. Okay.
1: Yeah. So she's so, a big old
0: nerd. Yeah, threatened this much this by is. a nerd, <laughs> <laughs> right? She's a big old nerd. She yeah. just
1: wants to understand the index. I mean, you know what? I'll be. I'm a shout out. To decimal
0: system. <laughs> I
1: just want to be clear that I couldn't really be a librarian, and I would like to shout out to all librarians everywhere yes. who are fighting the good fight to keep literacy, literature, like alive and and thriving. They're so important. I don't know. I feel like a PSA is necessary. They are the most underappreciated and the most necessary thing that keeps our lives civilized. Yep. That's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I'll be here (laughs) all week. Okay. (laughs) I got you. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) All right. So this will surprise no one. So I should say that these riots at the university were what was to date. Now, this is. I'm pretty sure that's still the same of uh, the most violent post Brown. Cause remember Brown versus board of education passed a year earlier, two years earlier. Yeah.
0: 54. Um,
1: 54. Uh, anti integration demonstration. So after the riots, what do you think happened? Yeah. They suspended her. um, Because her own safety was a concern. They were Mm -hmm. really worried about her. Look at what she's causing. Yeah, it's a problem.
0: Because grown ass people who are supposed to be educated rioting because they let in a a black nerd to study library science.
1: Nerd to study library science. Yeah. Okay, so Martin Luther King Jr. actually wrote a sermon. Uh, in 1956 about what happened. And he he, he delivered it uh, at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church the day before his trial, his trial for violating Alabama's anti-boycott law. So um, this is what he had to say. Now, I got his speech off of Wikipedia. So if I'm a little bit off, I apologize. I don't think I am. But I, I like how he phrased it and, and, and he paints the picture. And so I want to paint the picture as well. So he writes, he says, as soon as author and Lucy walked on the campus, a group of spoiled students led by Leonard Wilson, PS I'm happy to call out those people and a vicious group of criminals began threatening her on every hand. Crosses were burned, eggs and bricks were thrown at her. The mob even jumped on top of the car in which she was riding. Finally, the president and trustees of the University of Alabama asked Authorine to leave for her own safety and the safety of the university. The next day, after Authorine was dismissed, the paper came out with this headline. Things are quiet in Tuscaloosa today. There is peace on the campus of the University of Alabama. Yes, things were quiet in Tuscaloosa. Yes, there was peace on the campus, but it was a peace. At, it was peace at a great price. It was peace that had been purchased at the exorbitant price of an inept, trusty board succumbing to the whims and caprices of a vicious mob. It was peace that had been purchased at the price of allowing mobocracy to reign supreme over democracy. Okay, can we just talk about the word mobocracy well, but, for a second? Because I like no. Him.
0: He was. I a mean, great writer. they threw a hissy fit. And she paid the price because, yeah. Listen, because I just feel
1: like America. a thousand a thousand pacifiers should have been sent to those buzzers' but little Miriam, babies.
0: Miriam. What? She should pull herself up by her own <laughs> bootstraps. <laughs> what part of that do you not understand? Wait,
1: I think if you just say that over and over again, it'll start to make Even sense. Even though
0: she's being threatened and expelled. Uh-huh. And getting thrown shit at like yeah like they get this triggered over one black nerd yeah Think they about that. yeah they got this triggered over one black girl i'm sorry who's w- the what, Snowflake? not girl woman. actually not yeah. even girl woman yeah who had already had a degree <laughs> she had a degree she had her ba
1: listen i just let's talk about snowflakes for a second mm. who who needs They're baba to sleep every night. It's
0: (laughs) not baba.
1: (laughs) They're racist baba. (laughs) It's like a blanket. Don't you call a blanket a baba? No, is that me? Am I alone? I'm alone. Okay. That's so cute.
0: (laughs) A racist baba.
1: A racist baba. Here you go, baby. I know. Raise
0: your boss. you know, raise your baba. I know.
1: It's so hard when black people want to educate themselves. I know. Why she you go to sleep forever?
0: But, Mommy, I don't want the black girl to be uppity.
1: Oh, honey. That makes perfect sense. Why don't you nap? Bye.
0: <laughs> I know, sweetie. And then the racist mom is like, I know, sweetie. But we right. going to get rid of that
1: gal. Right. Oh, those racist mamas. Yep. Oof. Right there. Oh man. So okay, so here's what happened. So then, so Thurgood Marshall, who helped win the 1954 Yay. landmark Supreme Court desegregation case. Do you, y'all know this, right? Brown v. Board of Education. It's like the one thing they teach you about.
0: <laughs> in I know. School. That that might be gone too. <laughs> Shit.
1: Um, can't have that. We can though. Sorry. Um, so it was I mean it was unconstitutional, right? So he felt that if the Supreme Court decided something then the rest of the country would follow its decision, which like now when I like read that sentence that like that stresses me out a little bit. Yeah. But in this case um they, they I can see it and you know maybe that's a good thing um in terms of women's rights it's not a good thing right now i'll just say it elephant in the room um but so the attorneys so arthur shores was the attorney and thurgood marshall they helped build the loss build a lawsuit against the university like again uh because they believe the school helped the white mob by not having protection for her and prevented mm. lucy from attending class now they they actually had some people who were not students a, a, as the mob so that's interesting.
0: Of course H- they did.
1: How did that happen? They
0: invited their thug buddies on campus. Like, and you know, I just want to take a moment to think about how terrified she must have been. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. She's probably, or there's part of her, like if she's like me, it's like these motherfuckers, I'm just trying to go to school and learn library science. Really? I know. I mean, it, it but how it, terrifying that must have been them throwing, turning over cars, threatening to kill her. Because she wants to read books?
1: I mean, if you like, it's just, it's a good moment to like, if you think about how, I'll say it, like white people are like, this is the greatest country in the world. um, And they get very nationalistic. Is that a word? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Why I would say at this point, a solid, almost majority of people Don't have a background of this country being the best country to them, and maybe it's not a majority, but it's a solid.
0: But Miriam, yes, darkies don't matter. What you talking about, girl? (laughs) I mean,
1: yeah, don't matter. Once again, my liberal ways.
0: They got their freedom. Even though we paid the slave owners uh, reparations and never gave them anything, but what else they want?
1: I once got into an argument. It was like a family thing. And it was, I, I, listen, I have all these like cousins and uh, second degree of, I don't know, like second removed aunt from, you know, I don't know how family works really well. First cousin, thrice <laughs>
0: removed.
1: I don't, you know, and they're like this. Anyways, this person we got, I, and I, I don't know why I I saw I get bored at family events. And so I start things and, um, I said, and I sort of painted the picture of slavery. And I said, how can that be considered the greatest country? Like, uh, like we started great. I was like, no, we started bad. And they kept saying, you'll like this, but if you take out like slavery and Jim Crow laws, Really, we're the greatest country. And they kept wanting to take it out. And it kept being like, you can't take it out.
0: Like, well, if you take it out, then you have no economic base for the country yeah, to exist. Like, how, did, how did we do anything? <laughs> if You <laughs> take it out. You don't have any rock and roll. Nope. Right. You take oh it out. God, right. You don't have any blues. You don't have any R&B. You don't have any <laughs> hip hop. If you take it out, you take out most of what people consider Americana, American culture. If you take it out, you don't have cowboys. Yeah. Just saying. Say that. You you might have a version of that, but you ain't going to have the cowboys that Mm -hmm. we know. Mm -hmm. Right. If you take it out, you know, you don't have a lot of the things that we associate with America's greatness.
1: Listen, so no no that's what, all we're saying. why weren't you at this family event with me? That would have been really helpful.
0: No, I'm the same way when you get into it with somebody and like you get, you get so angry that yeah. you don't have a comeback. And then I, later on, you're like, I should have said this and I should have said
1: that. I'm married. I'm married to a very level-headed white man. And I have learned to literally be like, Sal, I need you to go talk to that person about this thing because I'm going to start crying and that's not going to get my point across. And he will, he'll do it, and they they end up loving him. And honestly, they they quite often will agree with him, but also disagree. You know what I mean? Like,
0: well, you know, because it's coming out of the mouth of a white man. Like, yeah, I'm just. Uh, a I mean, girl. but big up to the white men who get it and they use their privilege for good.
1: Oh, he's exhausted. They but I don't care. He's not done.
0: Uh- <laughs> they're, they're like, let me go and white splain white man explain yeah. this to them, he does it. and then they're like. Oh, I see. <laughs> like, why didn't it's you remarkable. say that? It's <laughs> remarkable. If you've never seen it happen, it's remarkable it, when yeah. a white man opens up his mouth, and if he has any semblance of intelligence or articulation, it's amazing the amount of attention he garners. You it, know, so I,
1: I've seen it because I've been the one. We all have. Oh my God! Right. And I'm like, but I said the exact same thing. No, but now you understand it. Okay. You know what? Honestly,
0: that's that's what our president, Joe Biden, is. Like, yes. Yeah. That's why people are like, oh, black people love Joe Biden. We're like, well, he's our avatar because we know that y'all would listen to an old white man. And even then, y'all tried to overturn the election. (laughs) (laughs) You fuckers.
1: (gasps) Seriously. We're like, we need
0: another old white man to talk to to beat the other old white man who's a moron
1: i'm absolutely fine i don't care i don't care
0: yeah he's not perfect
1: but he's an old white man listen i'll tell you who's perfect but you ain't gonna vote for that person so like let's just get an old white man i'm like fine (laughs) i could give up
0: but it's just remarkable uh you know so but um, mean, okay. oh, poor thing.
1: So so what happens is they do go back to court because Thurgood was was like, I believe in this. And he writes a letter to her saying, whatever happens in the future, remember, for all concerned, that your contribution has been made toward equal justice for all Americans and that you have done everything in your power to bring this about. So they filed contempt of court charges against the trustees and president of the university against the Dean of women for barring her from the dining hall and dormitories and against four other men. So they found four specific men, apparently for participating in the riots. Those men were not connected to the university, which is interesting. Hmm. So here's what happened. It's not great. The federal court in Birmingham ordered that she be reinstated and the university must take adequate measures to protect her. Okay. Then they expelled her permanently on a, this is Wikipedia wrote, a hastily contrived technicality. So they claimed that she had slandered the university in the lawsuit by saying they were mean to her, which made the university look bad. And she.
0: Barring her from the dining halls in the dorms was yeah. not being mean to her
1: uh-huh nope no it's Get the not fuck out of here no alabama. it's not Ugh. alabama can fuck off and they did eventually i'll tell you so um they agreed that it, they were done because then anything else would be like oh well now you're saying this about us slander
0: all right so it's only slander if you didn't do it <laughs> Right? But you motherfuckers
1: but did you it. you fucking did it. Do you know what slander means? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So, and oh, these white people just get everything they want, don't they? Um, in April of 1956, she gets married to a man named Hugh Foster, who's a, a divinity student, and he later became a minister um, that they had met at Miles College. Uh, so for some months afterwards, she was a civil rights act advocate she made speeches at NAACP meetings around the country but by the end of the year her active involvement at the civil rights movement stopped so after she was expelled she actually went to go live with Thurgood Marshall um in New York with him and his wife uh, because they were worried for her safety yeah they should be yeah yeah uh but then for the next 17 years uh, she and her family, they got married. She had some children, uh, lived in various cities in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas. At first, it was really hard to find employment as a teacher because everybody knew her as the troublemaker, right?
0: Yeah, she's a troublemaker. Yeah, she's one, the problem. Uh, yeah, To learn library science. Okay. Yeah.
1: I can't That's believe she, she wanted to learn libraries. Like, how dare she? Uh all right. So in 1974, so many years later, she did obtain a position in the Birmingham school system. In 1988, her expulsion was officially annulled by the University of Alabama.
0: It took the motherfuckers to 1988. Yeah, it did. Wow. Like, so, so... And this she- happened at what, 56? 56? 52
1: is when she applied, 52. got in, and they changed their mind. So 19- over, over 30 years. Now, listen, wow. I'm confused because I was pretty sure that
0: racism had ended by the 80s. I'm confused. Uh, I think you would be right, uh, Miriam. I think it, <laughs> it ended in 1964. At least oh, that's what they told us. That's uh. That's right.
1: Because yeah. the civil rights movement, they they passed the civil right. Okay, okay. So I don't yeah. understand. I'm very confused. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm not confused. All right, yeah, again,
0: again, guys, we're not. Yeah, it's bullshit.
1: So, so much sarcasm, so little time. Um. So she enrolled in the graduate program in education in 1988. Received her MA in 1992. Um, they named an endowed fellowship in her honor and unveiled a portrait of her in the student union. Uh, the inscription reads, her initiative and courage won the right for students of all races to attend the university. She is a sister of the Zeta Phi Beta sorority. Like, I really hope that not only was her education free, but she got like a stipend while she was Say there. See, now
0: Miriam, this is what... This is why we are co-host, because that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I oh. wanted to hear free of charge. Free of charge. That's what I'm saying.
1: I don't know. But these
0: motherfuckers.
1: Cause there's really nothing you can do to take away like the shame and awfulness that she had to go through.
0: And but also they can't... took away thirty years of her life. Thirty years of her progress in mm-hmm. life. Yep. By some bullshit because they didn't have either have the balls or they were in on it. I mean,
1: maybe both, right? I don't know. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Listen, I just need like, yeah. But they also, on November 3rd, 2010, because this shit takes time apparently, there's the authoring Lucy Clock Tower. It was dedicated in a new space honoring three people, her, Vivian Malone, and James Hood, uh, which were three individuals who pioneered desegregation at the University of Alabama. Um, it was located beside Foster Auditorium, where in 1963, Alabama Governor George Wallace unsuccessfully Whoa. attempted to bar Malone and Hood from registering at the university. So this university has some history.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, and uh, you know I got to do my uh, my impersonation of him, right? I do. I know this, George Wallace, segregation. Okay. Today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Because mm-hmm. I was a racist bigot. Segregation. It's so good. It's terrible. Oh, he, was, God. he was a terrible human being. Segregation. Yeah, he is. He's like,
1: I'm the antichrist. Like, he's a bad man. All right. I heard, he ch- I heard he changed his mind later. And so we're
0: yeah, supposed to forgive yeah. him for shit. Oh, uh, fuck off.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That feels He only right. changed
0: his mind because he lost his bid for president.
1: Wait, let me try another tactic to gain more power. That's what get happened. get credit.
0: You don't get no. credit for stop being a terrible human being.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of giving people credit for like no longer being a Nazi. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just like bare minimum. Like you should never have been that Nazi. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. So unless he gave all his fortune away to some little black chillins, I don't fucking care. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Would, you know what? Off. If he did that, I we could we could reassess. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah I, well, I would reassess it.
0: I don't know about reassess, but maybe I wouldn't <laughs> call him a fucker anymore. Maybe he would come.
1: You just go to asshole, right? Not a fucker, yeah. <laughs> just an asshole.
0: That's fair. Exactly. That feels. And fair. I'm sure, I'm sure his family members, who if they are listening or his descendants, are like, yeah, that that tracks. <laughs> I mean, like,
1: if they're listening, no notes. <laughs> That probably tracks. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's no fine. notes. Uh,
0: <laughs> no notes. Perfect. And that that is what we should all say. Like, if we have, yeah. uh, if we're descendants of terrible people, which we all have them in our family. Yeah, but course. like, like famously, like racist or like just terrible human beings or, you know, sexist or anti-Semites, just terrible human beings. That's not your, those are not your That's sins. Not, just be like, yeah, that tracks. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. like
1: the whole, yeah. like, you know, DeSantis and all that attempt to like go back to like, you know, white supremacy is good now. You know, those people, they're like, what about my white history? Like, you know what? Call that shit out. That's fine.
0: Like, but no, no, we, we have white history. That's how I know about the Hundred Year War. White not <laughs> white crime? Mm-hmm. You
1: told me. I mean <laughs> that I, I was tested on it. You really that's, needed me to know about that.
0: That's European history. Uh-huh. European, not European. European history. <laughs> that's white not white crime. Thank Let's you for the elocution it. lesson. Be <laughs> <Pean. laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man okay. so yeah
0: don't get defensive if you have terrible if you're the descendant of terrible people just be like yeah
1: okay yeah. right <laughs> I would be like I'm fine with that I'd be like oh wow and I'm you gonna know do I'm better
0: saying? thank exactly. god I'm not that asshole I'm yeah,
1: trying to think so. if I can think of anyone in my family I'm sure they're there I can't think oh, of, we I, all it goes have back them. like a million years who knows yeah, um,
0: we all have them
1: so. I mean it's fine and yeah. you know you like to think that like now they'd know better
0: but it yeah, it's matter. just like uh, who's the guy that I think he created the Nobel Peace Prize because he made his fortune off of like gunpowder or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just try and make amends. That's <laughs> all you got to just
1: gotta do. do. Do something better, oh, you know. Yeah. Um. So this is fun. So on sem- September fifteenth, I'm almost done. I promise. Uh, to 2017, a special marker was erected in her honor near Graves Hall on campus. So she returned to speak at the ceremony and she compared the crowd that welcomed her with the hatred she had encountered the first time. Girl, yes, talk about it. Don't pretend. I yeah. love her. So in um May 2019, uh they gave her at the spring graduation an honorary doctorate. So her legacy continues. There's a $25,000 scholarship named after her uh and they <laughs> So February 3rd, 2022, they added her name to what was formerly Bib Graves Hall. Uh, Then they changed it to Lucy Graves Hall, right? But then there was an outcry, because do you know who Graves is? Yeah, he's a KKK member. So, yeah, right? Um, But they listened, and they dropped his name. And now the building is authoring Lucy Hall.
0: Yeah, Alabama. You can't, you can't. That That
1: was 2022.
0: You can't expect people not to think that all Southerners are dumb racist Hicks (laughs) when you want to name a building after a KKK member. You just can't (laughs) do it, people. I'm always trying to defend the South. And And then y'all go and try and name a building after a KKK member. You can't do it. can't do it. (laughs) it. Stop it. Stop it.
1: Next time you want to, just go to Lavetta, and she will explain to you once again why you can't do that. And the reason is because you can't. And no, then can't yeah. do it. So she died March 2nd, 2022, at the age of 92. And Aww. her grandniece, Nikema Williams, is a member of the U.S. House of Representatives and chair of the Democratic Party of Georgia.
0: Okay. Aww. Right? I love that. I know, right? Aww. Yes. Right? I love that. Aww. It's so good, right? So good. So good.
1: That is authorin Lucy. Oh my god. Okay. You know, so here's what happens. I always want to look I look at the so I don't want to mess it up. Authorin Juanita Lucy. Yes.
0: Wow. American Hero. American Hero. Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate that. I had never heard of her. Um that name is very old school. Authorine. I love authorine. it. Authorine. It's probably authorine. That's probably what a family authorine. said. It's beautiful. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, now, my Notorious Woman this week is is very different. We're going to go on the other side of the world and go it. back to the 6th century. The 6th um, century? Yeah. The 6th century. Wow. CE, okay. Where Khadija Bint Kualid Okay, I'm just going to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't speak Arabic, even though I wanted to study Arabic at one time. Uh, so forgive my pronunciation. <laughs> um, so Khadijah bent Kualid. Kualid. Uh, Kualid.
1: Uh, so I, I speak a little Kualid. Hebrew. So they're they're similar. Arabic and yeah. Hebrew are like their cousins. Yes. But I still can't help you with that name. So I
0: apologize. Uh, <laughs> so, Khadijah, uh, and my main sources today came from funchi.org, f-u-n-c-i.org, F-U-N-C-I.org okay. which is a site that preserves the cultural heritage of Muslim countries, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, and another website called alfraquan.com, um, as well. So, as, as well as some other, uh, YouTube videos I watch, but, so Khadijah Bint Kuwalid was born in the 6th century CE in Mecca, Arabia, which is present day Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. She, yeah, she was born into a merchant uh, and highly regarded family in the Quraysh uh, tribe. Uh, her father, Kualid Ibn Assad, was the leader of the Quraysh tribe in, Ma- in Makkah, and her mother, Fatima Bint Zaida was a successful uh, businesswoman from a merchant family as well. Okay. So, yeah. So she was born from like a highborn family, highly regarded family uh, who were merchants. Uh, But her father, who was head of the family and head of the tribe, he died in battle. So when he died in battle, she took over the family business and expanded it and developed it like even beyond her father's wildest dream, oh wow! And she developed the business so so as a merchant, it was a trading family. Um, so she developed it so large that she would often have large caravans taking goods back and cross uh, back and forth across terrain, uh, large distances to uh, for business. Wow! I can't and even she,
1: imagine what that must have taken
0: back then. I know, right? And she was so like successful she became famous for her business acumen
1: really Mm -hmm. do you ever wonder like okay as they're going across the desert like where do you pee i mean
0: i would imagine like like behind the
1: cactus over there i'm thinking the american west behind the camel maybe
0: yeah, like, <laughs> just away from people, like, because yeah. it's a freaking desert, so That's true. nothing's going to survive. And so her all caravans right. could be found all over the Arabian Peninsula, from Yemen to northern Syria. That's a lot of yeah. area. Yep. So even though she was surrounded by, this is what I find so remarkable, she was surrounded by, of course, uh, her brothers and uncles, Um, but they all she had the final word and led okay. the family business. So this is how good she was at business. So for the other men to be like, yeah, we're going to let her take it. <laughs> yep, It's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah. Now, so during the time of the, uh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. During the time of, uh, that was before the, the religion of Islam. Cause before it, you know, by this time.
1: Oh yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah. It's called Jahiliya. Jahiliya. Jahilia. Again, okay. <laughs> forgive my pronunciation. I mean, no disrespect whatsoever. Is it I'm trying is, my best. Is
1: it the religion that they are?
0: Uh, no, it's just a time period. It's oh. an Arabic word for like the time before Islam. Oh, um, I didn't Khadija, know there was a
1: word. I just learned something.
0: Yeah, Jahiliya.
1: Can you Jahilia, spell that?
0: Jahiliya. j a h i l i y y a h i have no advice. <laughs> So so before this time, Khadija was considered, like I said, a remarkable woman. She was admired all over for her strength of character, her power and her autonomy as a woman. Sixth century. Now, her decision to choose a husband um, dominated in an era in an era by men in polygamy and where women had no rights or social status that's so i'll
1: just say it that's yeah
0: so she now in this regard historian Bethany hewers uh who presented the documentary when the moors ruled in europe said that quote it was her business acumen that would set her on a path that would eventually change the history of the world end quote
1: wow this is
0: what she said of khadijah okay yeah now, before the changing, she goes on to say uh, in this article, before the changing of the history of the world, Khadija first began changing the mindsets of those around her by gaining their respect of her fellow countrymen and asserting herself as a powerful woman.
1: So this, she was is, such what I, a- this is what I'm saying. Your vote matters. Your What you do in this world matters. One person can make a huge change. That's like yep. inspirational. I love you that. You can see
0: it. You can be it, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it also teaches the men around her like oh yeah like first <laughs> right. it starts in her family right so the men right. in her family are like well obviously you're good at this right right <laughs> like, like i guess i'll her make more it.
1: money if i listen to her
0: sounds good yeah and then you the know? men on the outside of the family are like oh well they're listening to her oh she's good at oh okay so right. this is how also men can make a difference in the affairs of um sexism yes they, you guys yes. have we need you guys so uh, as much as we need women to chart out a course for themselves in the world. Yeah. Um, she was such, they said of her reputation, she was such a good businesswoman that it was said that she could trade dust for gold. Wow. Yeah. Now, these caravans that she was famous for needed leaders to guide them. And because she did not like traveling, she often hired men for these activities after a careful, uh, selection process. These men had to travel around Arabia to sell uh, their products. One of them was the future prophet, a.k.a. the messenger of God, Muhammad. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Whom she hired to, to manage a caravan to Syria. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Now, so he goes off on this caravan trip. And while he's away... And then they come back. She is impressed by his business acumen, his uh, his heart. He's hardworking, smart. Uh, you know, she's just very impressed. And also, when they re- when he returns, one of her other servants told her that he was also very trustworthy and, pure, and he had and he had a, a pureness of heart that was he, he also, showed throughout the was trip. Was he
1: also very single? Ah. Yeah. You see where I'm going? Mm, you know, I dated.
0: <laughs> now, up until this time, Khadijah had been married twice before. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and she had had children with her previous uh, husbands. But again, she's a businesswoman. So she's an unusual woman, I think, even by yes. today's standard.
1: I would like say she, so.
0: Which money and success will... <laughs> That, that does help, um, and then <laughs> pays, also she pays
1: for all the children,
0: <laughs> exactly. But she's also from a, a you know a highly regarded and high status family, so that helps as well. But yes. she had been married twice before, um, but you know the young Muhammad, um, she's thinking, okay, maybe. Uh, she was known for her free spirit, okay, and so the two had a courtship and got married. Oh my God, this is her. Oh, okay. Wow. According to most sources, she was about 40 years old, like I said, with children from a previous marriage. Okay, girl. And the future prophet Muhammad was about 25. All right. Pick that young man. Teacher. Now, during... (laughs) Now, some... Again, this is the 6th century. So even though she was older than him and they say about 40 years, they're not sure because even after they got married, they had several more children.
1: So it's so interesting because who they didn't really keep count like we do. I don't think like age, age was, yeah. So she could have, I'm sure she was older than him. Yeah. Um. But, it, yeah. you know, who knows? And honestly, you know, I mean, I'm a, if y'all love each other, you do you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly.
0: So, I so by today's standards, uh and by in, you know, in the Quran, of course, uh and in Muslim tradition, Khadija is often referred to by Muslims as the mother of believers. Really? And this is why. Yeah, this is why. Because all of this happened again before the revelation for Muhammad, about fifteen okay. years before wow. he would start have his first revelation. Okay, from the archangel, um, archangel uh, Gabriel, uh, which he had around six ten, and the first time he had this revelation, he was confused and distressed. Um, and he came home and he told Khadija about it. Now, this is why who you marry really matters.
1: Right. Very important. Listen up. Okay. Go After
0: on. listening to him and more importantly, believing him, she calmed him down and took him to consult with her cousin, Wargar I- ibn Nafal, Nafal, a Hanif or believer in monotheism and, and the knowledgeable of the Christian tradition. Okay. So again, I forgive me if I butchered his name. I'm so sorry. Um, now at this time, Muhammad, he's, he's thinking he's possessed by a gene or like a a, a demon. Okay. Um, but it was the cousin who explained to him that the angel in question was not a demon, but Gabriel or Jibril in, um, Jibril in uh, Arabic. Uh, the same archangel who came to speak to Moses.
1: I was going to say, if he's knowledgeable about like Christianity and, and via Judaism, and Judaism he, yeah.
0: he, this would feel familiar to him, actually. Yeah, this is why it's good to have good counsel in your life. <laughs> People really, who surround honestly, you, who give you good advice. Yeah, exactly. So from that moment on, the revelations uh, to the Prophet Muhammad continued. Uh, Thus, as told to the Chronicles of Tabari, the first person in history to convert to Islam was Khadijah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Stop. In Islamic tradition, Khadijah is considered and appreciated for the important role she played in supporting the Prophet and in his fight against his enemies. And one of the Qadub al-Sita, original books of the compilations of the Hadith or the sayings and acts attributed to Muhammad, the Sahih Muslim, the following hadith about the Prophet's wife can be read quote, Allah granted me no better wife than she. Oh. She had faith in my message when people rejected it. She believed in me when people called me a liar. She shared her wealth to ease my grief when people abandoned me. And she gave me, by the grace of Allah, the progeny that no other wife could give. End quote.
1: What? Wow. He like gave her all that credit. Can we learn yep. from this moment? I, Thank you. I, yeah. uh-huh.
0: So according to uh, traditional sources, Khadijah was instrumental in supporting the prophet in the creation of Islam by reassuring her husband of the authenticity of his first revelations, which ultimately provided him confidence in his revelation. She essentially broke the glass ceiling. Even women today would aspire to do what she did 1,400 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, this is how Assad zamin described the first Muslim woman in history, Khadija, in a BBC article. Okay. She goes on to say, quote, Indeed, Khadija's story, in addition to showing the journey of an extraordinary woman, allows us to deconstruct many prejudices about Islam and the conditions of Muslim women throughout history. Khadija, the first Muslim woman and the first wife of Muhammad, was not an oppressed or homebound or orientalist or culturalist thinking would have us to believe. She was quite the opposite. Until the end of her life, it was her who led her business, and everyone respected her, not only for being Muhammad's wife, but for her enormous qualities, a source of inspiration for Muslims. The prophet himself placed her among the highest women in history from a spiritual point of view, along with Miriam, Aisha, and his daughter Fatima, end quote.
1: There's a Miriam? They have a Miriam? Aww. They have a Miriam. Oh, It's amazing.
0: You know, you, you know, Arabs and Jews are are, are, are cousins. Same. Y'all Can cousins.
1: We, we're like first cousins. Yeah, we need first to stop cousins. Stop this mess because we are literally first cousins. We are the we are literally, all, and that's interesting. What is interesting? People don't realize this is that we're all Semitic. So yeah. we put you know anti-Semitic. You think Jews, but we're what we are are Semitic people from that part of the world, and we are the same. We just, yeah. you believed in that and we believed in that, but we're the same. That's just like, anyways, also yeah. like what an amazing woman. I'm totally amazing
0: sixth. woman. I was like, sixth century. what yeah. you said
1: was 16th century. Right. And you were nope, like, what six. I said was, wow. See C- six T H. Yep. She also makes me feel like I should do more with my life.
0: I know. Right. I'm like, I feel like <laughs> such a bomb. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, Another pre- uh, associate professor of Islamic history at the University of Leeds, Fouzia Bora, also goes on to say about her, quote, For me, as a historian and as a Muslim, Khadija is an inspiring figure like Fatima, one of his daughters with Muhammad, one of her daughters with Muhammad, and Aisha, among other women. It is wonderful for me to be able to teach my students about these women, In quote.
1: Oh, I love it. Do you know, I was listening to a podcast. I wish I could remember what it was. That's probably dark history. I listen to it a lot. Um, Twenty five percent of the world is Muslim. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like we don't. I've in the West, like, and if you're listening elsewhere, you're like, duh. But like in our, we there's this sense of like most people are not. They are other. They're not other in the no. whole world. They're twenty five percent.
0: Yeah. Let us know I know that. this because I remember growing up, I had a, um, thank God, even though I grew up in Florida, I was in, I went to a pretty multicultural, uh, high school. And I remember I had this friend, um, uh, Sadia. Sadia, uh, was, I believe her family was from Iran, but they're a Muslim. And I remember she was very close with her father. And she'd tell me that her father, every morning, he was an engineer. He would make her, her lunch. Oh. And I was so shocked because we grow up thinking because of media that Muslim yeah. men are hard and yeah. you know, they don't like women and da da da. And I was just when she told me that, she was like, Oh no. I'm like, he she's like, so sounds like she was his favorite, but she's the oldest. Yeah. And but they would talk together often and like I just thought See, this is why you need to know different kinds of people because just talking to her and I knew she was so smart and, you know, the kind of girl I like, just smart and confident and, you know, and she was just like, oh, yeah, me and my father are very close and he makes my lunch every day and we talk before I go to school. And I just thought that was just such a lovely thing. And from that moment on because I didn't know any Muslim men personally, up uh, you know, at, at that point in my life. I was still a kid and I didn't have a lot of experience with other kinds of uh, religious people. And, but in that moment, knowing her and again, knowing how smart and capable, and I think we were in like, it might have been my honors or my AP world history class or something was, like it that. It was a smarter pants class. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it was smart. Yeah. We were nerds. Yeah. And, I remember her just telling me then she would just talk about, oh yeah, my father, you know, he taught me how to drive and all. And I was just thinking, I was like, oh, like he's letting you drive according to media. He's just (laughs) a proud father. Right. he doesn't hate women. I, (laughs) I gotta say
1: like growing up Jewish, there's a lot that can be told. And it's been an interesting journey for me growing up in America with, you know, access to people from all over the place. I, and I remember I kind of had a similar moment in junior high. There was one girl in our town's very not diverse town. Like I was the Jew basically. Um, And we actually had that in common. Like at first I, she was, I don't remember what do you call that? The, her head was covered. Um, oh, the hijab. The hijab. And I, I was nervous because I don't know. I was told some things that were maybe not true. <laughs> they were probably not true. And, but we, she and I were the same. Like we really, we were mm-hmm. both like, you know, our families were her There's a kosher, I forget how ha, halal they're halal. Halal. Yeah. And we were kosher. And we talk about how, you know, like, and I remember she was like, it's, it's a similar story to you, that her and her dad, her dad doesn't trust halal. So he goes, there's a place you can go to actually kill the animal in the correct way. Like, or I don't know if he didn't trust it or he just, he wanted to do it himself that I don't, I think it was more that, but like, and I remember being like, y'all are better at this than we are. We just go to the kosher butcher and, you know, give them too much money and we get food. Um, <laughs> but like, I just think it's really, when you put, and again, 25% of the world, we have to, everywhere you go, like, don't let brave new world win. Put yeah. Put a put a face to a name. Put a story yeah. to a name. It will make the world better. It will make you less fearful of other people.
0: Yeah, and talk to different kinds of people. Travel if you can. But if you're not, I mean, because America's so, you know, diverse that you can actually find people, you know, who are not like you, who, you know, you see have been demonized on in movies and TV and for whatever reason that has nothing to do with normal people living their lives right and you learn like like I said my from that moment on my interpretation or my impression of Muslim men was just like oh they're just like other men like there's no like ooh, deep dark uh, you know those (laughs) terrible stereotypes or anything like that and and, and I saw just firsthand, like what a great relationship she had with her dad. And I was just like, and I think I even said to her, I was like, I've never heard a story about a Muslim man being so like tender and, you know, with his daughters. Cause you know, if you watch TV, you think they hate all their daughters and only yeah. like their sons. And she's like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like- I remember reading a book from an author and, and I was very young. It was like early, early twenties. And it was like, oh, the, the author was like talking about how sort of inhuman they are and I stopped reading the book and then Mm. someone else later was like yeah that author has issues like you you were because I just felt like I'd read other stuff that brought humanity to all kinds of people so I thought oh this is because growing up the way I grew up I've I've often searched for a better sense of of what it of what's really happening you know and I'm I'm always still learning but like yeah it's it's really important but this is amazing to me you've blown my mind today oh
0: i'm so glad well i'm almost finished uh, okay I'll keep going. You know, again it's the sixth century <laughs> yeah. so it's not too much more but now according to sunni because in in islam there's two major sects, there's the sunni and the shia traditions okay. so in the sunni tradition uh interpretation of the uh, sources uh the couple so um khadijah and the prophet muhammad had four daughters to survive into adulthood they had other children but four daughters who survived into adulthood Uh, again forgive me for the pronunciation um kuthum ragia zainab and fatima Uh, but according to the shia tradition their daughter fatima is their only daughter oh interesting Uh, Uh, Yeah, Fatima would later become an important figure in Islam and her descendants known as the Sharifs and the Saeeds have played important social roles to this day. Muhammad had other sons and daughters, but they all either died young or failed to produce a long line of descendants. But Fatima stood at the head of the genealogy that steadily enlarged through the generations and became um, uh, the venerated line of the Al-Abiat uh, translates to people of the house or the holy family of the Prophet Muhammad
1: oh um, okay so to
0: the Shia she is particularly important because she was married to Ali whom Shia considered to be the legitimate heir of the of the authority of the Prophet Muhammad and the first of his imams okay and then the the sons of Fatima and Ali Hassan and and Has, Hassan uh, Hassan and Hussein, which is no, Hassan and Husan. Okay. Hassan and Husan are thus viewed as the Shia, as their rightful inheritors of the tradition. So, again, this is getting into the difference between the Shia and the Sunni. Again, I'm not a Muslim, so I can't uh, really speak to the different, the nuances of the different uh, sects of but Islam. But, dude,
1: like if you are, you can write to us. We'll tell you how to. And yes. we'll, we'll bring it up on another episode because we're happy to share.
0: And I, you know, for fear of being disrespectful or, you know, saying something that's not correct. I don't want to get too into that. But that's from one of the sources I got. That was the explanation. Um, now, Khadijah uh, died not, in, historians. Hashtag hashtag not,
1: not historians. Hashtag uh, not historians.
0: And also, as always, if this, you know, piques your interest, always go and find, seek out your own sources, more, you know, reputable sources, things that are a lot more in debt and detailed Um, I'm sure a lot of this is in the Quran or any of the other teachings of Islam. Uh, so we highly encourage you to do that. Uh, but Khadijah died in six in or around 619, uh, which is also known as the year of sorrow in the Islam, uh, faith. Muhammad had no other wives while she was alive and had no children by any of his later wives that survived. until Really? Yeah. So that is Khadijah bint Kualid. Khadijah bint Kualid. Wow. Again, is- forgive me. She's the first wife of the Prophet Muhammad.
1: Okay. I have a question. How wait, so how long did she live? Can you tell?
0: Uh so I would imagine if if they were married, if she was married about Let's say she was forty when they got married. Fifteen years later, he started having. Fifteen years later, in six ten, right. he started having uh, the revelations. So she would be sixty, uh, and six ten. So if she died in six nineteen, she would be sixty nine.
1: Okay. Wait, she at least she'd be fifty five. It was fifteen years later. All right. So interesting. No, no, no. So.
0: No, so it was 15 years later in 610. So she'd be 60 when oh. he started having the revelations. Right. And then if she passed in 619, which was nine years after the revelations, then you she'd know be 69. What? In
1: a land without antibiotics, she lived a good long life. That's yeah. what I got to say about that. Yes. Um What an amazing woman. I know, Right.
0: We had we had two amazing women, as always, because yeah. we mm-hmm. have great taste. And yeah, me too. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like pat our own backs or anything, but I'm doing it right now. So
0: cool, yes. But I I love how different they are, but also they both had um, extraordinary. Uh, your life is not too small or too big to have an impact on, a positive impact, especially because um, I always leave. I always live my life by when I'm dead and gone, I want people to remember me fondly. And, (laughs) uh, and I think that both of these women, um, even though they lived centuries, one literally, Uh, yeah, 1400 years later, uh, from the other, uh, had their own difficulties and, and, um, joys as well. Um, but they had positive impact on people that came after them and that's that's really what it's all about so uh, yeah. our notorious women this week were notorious because they were heroic
1: <laughs> yep <laughs> I know Lavetta's is going to make up for it next week but okay oh yeah <laughs> um,
0: you know I like a murderess you know I like a bad girl but you gotta, uh, gotta
1: round it out these women were incredible like incredible. I, again like I feel like today's episode is brought to you by you matter one life oh. can matter a whole lot
0: You matter. Oh, I like that. Hashtag you matter.
1: Hashtag you matter. Look at me starting something. Look at you. I don't know that I really started anything.
0: Well, guys, that wraps it up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Remember to follow us on all the things. Yeah, yes. um, and also, more importantly, if, if, you know, today's episode piques your interest, please go and do more research on these wonderful uh, women. But also tell your friends and families about it. Give us a five star. Five stars. Five, five, stars. five stars. It's five. five.
1: Star. Yeah. Five Only stars.
0: five. Five out of five. Five stars out of five. Stars review. Uh, and Miriam, where can they send us an email or find us on social?
1: Lovetta, I know you're giving me time, but I'm actually totally ready. Oh, right. I'm
0: totally ready. Okay. Look at you.
1: So first of all, we're on Instagram. I need your help. Please come follow us. Um, everything is fine. Sometimes men like to have an opinion on our Instagram. So come, you know, join, join us. And we yeah. can help explain how it works in the world. Okay. So it's uh, Instagram, look up Notorious Women Podcast. We're right there. And then Gmail is notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. Uh, I look up my email all the time, as does better. So <laughs> I'm bored. So write us, tell us all the things, give us yeah, suggestions.
0: C- We're yes. done with it all. Or any corrections, but just be nice about it. Just, yeah. 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 I'm sensitive. I look like a strong black woman, but I'm really, you know that that, that cartoon Pinky and the Brain? Yes. Sorry, I'm yelling. I love Pinky and the Brain. We're
1: watching the new Animaniacs now with my children because I'm trying to raise them them right, you know.
0: Yes. Well, inside, on the outside, I look like Brain, but on the inside, (laughs) I'm really Pinky. (laughs)
1: I just want to be loved. Listen. That's so be great, nice to us. That's a great description of you, <laughs> And
0: Right. Ring,
1: ring, ring, ring,
0: ring. Ring. I love it. Plot oh to God. take over the world. <laughs> and on that note, we will see you guys uh-huh. next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.